From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! I'm Sarah Foss, and today I am joined once again by Buzzy Cohen. Woohoo! Thank you for having me, Sarah. Buzzy, we're kicking off an exciting week of Jeopardy. Today marks the start of our first ever second chance competition brought to you by Moderna. This week we have James Fraser, Aaron Golias, Molly Carroll, Tracy Pitzel, Renee Russell, Pam Schoenberg, Jessica Stevens, Erica Wiener, Amachi, and Cindy Jong. They're all returning to compete in three semifinal games, and then the winner of each of those games will play in a two-day final for a coveted spot in the upcoming Tournament of Champions. We'll be deep diving into the first week of the Second Chance competition next Monday on the podcast. Hopefully I'll be invited back. We'll see. See (laughs) how I do today. to be determined. But we have lots to discuss today. First, it's been a few weeks since I've unveiled my plans for hashtag Deathly Double, so I want to check back in. If you're having trouble thinking of a costume idea, Lily at One Eclectic Mong and Jessica Stevens have joined forces to create Jeopardy Halloween costume guides. Oh, yes. I've been loving this. So far, they've created costumes for Lawrence Long, our stay-at-home uncle, regular Virginia Margaret Shelton, our host Mayim Bialik, Madame Modio, Alex Trebek, even Michael Davies. Wow is in on the fun, how to dress like our executive producer. Is the handkerchief on the no, belt No, it loop? doesn't have the handkerchief off the belt okay, loop. It's well, more like Men in Blazers podcast Michael Davies. Uh, so it has a headset, has a blazer. Uh, like it's definitely the Men in Blazers version okay. of Michael Davies. But okay. as you know, there are many different versions. He contains multitudes. Yes. And when Ken Jennings saw this, he actually tweeted, Oh, snap, we're doing Jeopardy contestant costumes now? So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with. I want to know, Sarah, what are you thinking about doing for your... Well, I'm a little torn, Buzzy, because I love this idea, but I'm also very committed to our family costume theme this year. As you know, we always go all in, and I have two daughters who are expecting me to be dressed as a certain Toy Story character. Well, have you thought about doing one costume for the pod, one costume for trick-or-treating? Ah, okay. Because, you know, somebody suggested that I dress up as you. Yes. And I look great in a blonde wig. I've done it before. I haven't done a like your length. I've done a Uh bob, blonde bob, and it looked really good. I was a a flight attendant. It's a long story. It had to do with my wedding. Anyway, save that for another podcast. Yes, but that's a good idea. Yeah, I I think I could split it up. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm, I still want to do Mitch. I still want to do Mitch. Um, And I think Mitch is counting on me. I think Matea Roach is counting on me doing Mitch. But anyway, it's important. Everyone share your costumes on October 31st, day one of the Tournament of Champions. Hashtag Deathly Double. Well, we are going to have to wait and see how that all plays out, Buzzy. But today we have an exciting show for our listeners. Later in the episode, we'll be featuring my interview with Adina Menzel, who presented a special category on Wednesday's show. And you'll also get to hear my conversations with our Tournament of Champions competitors, Andrew Hee. Jackie Kelly, Courtney Shaw, and Zach Newkirk. But first, let's get into last week's games where we saw Chris Panulo soar to super champion status, securing an 11th win. And in Celebrity Jeopardy, we have Ike Barinholtz. He earned the first spot in the finals. Let's get into these recaps. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Ooh, the beep boops. <laughs> They've made an appearance. All right. On Monday's show, we had Chris Panulo joined by Eugene Hom and Ali Noodleman. Chris, getting off to his usual fast start, 6,200, goes all in for a true daily double. We're not even through the Jeopardy round, and he has $12,400. Yeah, this was a real 
true runaway from the start. This was one of those, I you know, the competitors, they were playing, they were doing their best, but it's really hard when you've got someone who is as on as Chris is. Yeah, this was his game. He had his highest score after the Jeopardy round that he had had himself this season or any other player this season, yeah. had the highest score after the double Jeopardy round and ended up with his highest final score of the season, nearly $60,000. Not bad for a half an hour's work. That is unreal, which brings us to Tuesday. He's got two new competitors, Marsha Free and Mike Elliott. Yes, Mike Elliott, a big standout. I think my favorite part about Mike Elliott is that he told us in college he made a montage video of Ken Jennings all about his run set to the Foo Fighters theme of My Hero. And he, I believe he's released that now on Twitter. I, he I, has. I, I don't think he has the rights. He did admit he was he was younger. He was in college. He didn't claim to be a professional editor. If you see it, you'll know what we mean. Around the time of the Ken Jennings run, I don't know if there was a real, uh, like, you know, consumer digital editing software. So I imagine <laughs> him there with the multiple cassette tapes kind yes. of pausing and starting. And I'm impressed. And, you know... Another really great game, not a runaway. No, this was a game that Chris had to fight for. Mike Elliott, you know, he gets the opportunity in Double Jeopardy to make a True Daily Double. He says, I've waited my whole life to say this. True Daily Double, $11,600. He gets it correct. He goes up to 23200 and Ken says, hey, we've got a ball game because... Yep. Huge scores going into Final Jeopardy. Chris with 37,400 and Mike right behind at 26,800. So could have gone any way. Is Mike a candidate for the next second chance? Oh, I think think we have to say that he is definitely in the running. You know, he didn't end up getting Final Jeopardy correct. Neither did Marsha. Chris did. One interesting thing about this game on Tuesday, 10-11. This was the one-year anniversary of that famous Matt Amodio, Jessica Stevens, Jonathan Fisher game. It was also the first show that Michael Davies was our executive producer. Happy anniversary, Michael. He's probably celebrating. That's probably why he's not here. You bring up Jonathan Fisher. I got to say, I got a, a DM from a friend of mine who saw him in The Tempest and said he was incredibly funny. So if you're listening, Jonathan, congratulations. The reviews are astounding. Yes, he's up in Oregon yeah. for the Shakespeare Festival. So glad to hear that we know <laughs> someone who saw the show. That's awesome. Wednesday, Chris is up against Elizabeth and Fernando. Now, Elizabeth, you may remember, she gained internet fame last year when we had <laughs> Lawrence Long, who was the, you know, stay-at-home uncle. And she tweets, Guy on Jeopardy was just introduced as stay-at-home uncle. It got 5,000 retweets. It had over 130,000 likes. And Lawrence Long is such a nice guy. Can we just give him a shout-out for those yeah. beautiful bags that he created for us in and the a, last... And a very sweet note. I believe it was addressed from the desk of the Jeopardy champion or something like that. I like. I yeah, a it. custom bag that, of course, had the famous... Conch shell yep. and one of his lines. I think Lily, one eclectic mom, helped him make those. But thank you, Lawrence Long. Very nice of you to think of us. And Elizabeth was obviously thinking of you a year ago. This wasn't her game, nor was it Fernando's, because they came up against a tough, tough champion in Chris yeah. Panulo. He hit all three daily doubles. It's really hard when you've got someone who is playing that well. One thing I will say about Chris's play style is that he's sort of, he's not a full Holtzhauerian. He's not a, or a Jacobian going full all in. He makes very precise wagers to give him enough of an advantage where, uh, once again, we had a runaway. He's not always making the big swings. He makes the big swings when he wants to get out ahead, but he's not just, 
you know, racking it up, racking it up. So it's interesting to see, you know, once again, a very, as, as Michael commented, a very calm, collected style of play, very focused, doesn't get flustered, you know, great game totals, better than I've ever done, but, you know, not those like six digit James Holtzhauer totals. Yeah, it's proving that Chris's style, not quite as um, extreme as some of our other big champions. Another great thing about this show was a chance to hear from Adina Menzel. She gave us a great category about her acting and singing career, and I had a chance to catch up with her when we recorded that. Take a listen. Adina Menzel, we're so happy to feature you in your own category on Jeopardy, but this is not the first time. You've come up nine times in Jeopardy's history. What does that mean to you? I didn't know I've come up nine times. Yes. Yes, you've That's... made it. I mean, I don't know if all the other Broadway or other <laughs> accomplishments mean anything to you, but nine clues on Jeopardy. I'd the say Tony pretty... Award and nine times on Jeopardy are just like right there yeah. together. <laughs> so one of the special reasons you're here is to talk about your new book. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. My younger sister, Karen, and I wrote a children's book together, and um, we based it on the two of us. We're little mice. I'm D because that's what my family actually calls me, and her name's Carol Lee. And uh, it's really just about a little mouse that when she finally decides to share her big voice with the world, it invites um, sort of complicated feelings. And it kind of harkens back to when I was little and I, I knew that I had a gift and I, I had something special, but I wasn't always confident that I should sort of step into the light and let everyone hear me. I didn't, I didn't want to sort of alienate anyone or, you know, encourage some kind of scrutiny or criticism. And I think little kids deal with that. And so I just want everyone to feel really comfortable being their best, loudest self. Well, as a mom of two daughters, I can't wait to go out and get the book. What's next for you? What's next? <laughs> Disenchanted's coming out on Disney Plus, and I'm working on a brand new musical that's that we're developing, and lots of things. To be honest, I have my son's basketball game coming up this weekend, and that's my happy place. I love it. Cheering from the sidelines. Now, if you wouldn't mind, you know our Jeopardy think music. You probably hear it in your sleep sometime. Would you hum it for us? La na 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 what an icon, you know, really one of the amazing talents of her generation. Yes, I have loved her in so many different roles yeah. through so many different points in my life. And I got to go home and tell my girls I met Elsa. And I know. That was, a, that was a career highlight for me to be able to tell them. They weren't as impressed as I thought, but I thought it was a very cool moment. <laughs> my uh, my daughter met Josh Gad in person once, and when I tried to explain that that was Olaf, she was a little too young to be like, she's like, that's yes. not Olaf, that's just a dude. Yeah, you know? Olaf so, is a snowman, Dad. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, All right. Okay, brings us to Thursday. Chris tries to make the big double-digit is it that you get 10 wins that you become a super champion, or is that you surpass Buzzy Cohen's you know, total. I know it might be confusing for you, Buzzy, but it is actually <laughs> when you become a double-digit Jeopardy champion, once you reach 10, that is super champion status. Chris did it in this game. He just had a huge dominating game. One thing was interesting about this. He did get that last clue in Double yep. Jeopardy to make it a runaway and you could tell they were both just trying to get in on that last clue it didn't end up mattering because Chris got final and Andrew did not but it's always so exciting at the end of the game when you can see like one clue can shift the whole story of that game 
Yes, absolutely. If you look at the stats, this is, you know, Chris has got 51 attempts compared to Zach's 38, Andrew's 26. It's hard to beat a champion like this when he is all over that many clues. When you know 51 out of 60 clues, that's a big advantage. Yes, and you can often see Ken kind of like correct. Like even Ken, I think, is impressed with some of the depth of knowledge in so many different areas. That Great Chris depth. Has great control you know he's one of he's he's not an emodio where he'll kind of slow down the game to answer but he does he is deliberate and sometimes i'll watch and i'll be like did he buzz in is he guessing now no he's just being careful he's panulian he's He's, panulian all his i want to give it you know because he's from ocean city new jersey and i want to claim it can we say like a jersey jerseyan jersey coastal panulian shorian Shorian, perhaps. From Jersey Shore. Bringing us to our Friday game. Chris, seemingly unstoppable, but Rhiannon and Marianne are not ready to just take that. And yet, here we go. In this game, Chris was on fire. He ran the poker hands category, no surprise, yeah. as a former poker player. But he also ran the island countries category. He got two of the daily doubles. He got the both correct. He had another runaway game going into final with $35,000. This is his ninth runaway out of just 11 appearances. Unbelievable. Running two categories in one game is just... Actually, after Chris, after this week of shows, we finally decided we're not going to call out the running of a category unless it happens... Top to bottom. Kind of, not even top to bottom, in but order. All, all in like within One five clues because even Ken was like it's too far after if it was yeah. like 10 clues ago that he started doing the category so you will see that in future episodes you might say to yourself hey they got all five clues in that category but unless they did them within the five clue you know it's not five out of ten in a row it's like five then you'll know that's when we're gonna give those applause and acknowledge that running of category we're not doing anything different with it at this point there's no bonus right now nobody get upset just setting the runway i'm just saying that we're not going to call it out and i did enjoy after the final when it was when he was revealed incorrect he said it was Vern before even ken could give it he said it was Vern, wasn't it i've been there I've yes. been there. Where you like know after, it, it doesn't come to you within those thirty seconds, and you don't want to. You don't want to leave nothing, so you write something down, and then yep. yeah, another great game. Thirty-six correct responses, zero incorrect, surpassing his previous record for most correct responses so far this season. The good thing for Chris, he gets to take a little break now as we head into second chance and the tournament of champions. But I caught up with him after his eleventh win to see how he was feeling about everything. Chris Panulo, you are now an 11-day Jeopardy champion. Only 12 people in Jeopardy's history have won more games than you. How does it feel to be a super champion? It feels incredible. It feels like a dream. I'm still processing everything that has happened and is happening right now, like talking to you, which is, uh, <laughs> I've done it once before, but uh, even that was incredible. So to do it twice is even more incredible. Well, thank you for that. You're going to have a little break. We're coming up on our second chance competition and then this year's Tournament of Champions. What are you going to do in your time off? I, I plan on enjoying enjoying myself, just taking some time off, spending time with Heather and Lentils, visiting family, and um, just making the most of it. You have now earned over $350,000. Do you start to think about what you might do with your winnings? I think I said earlier that I was going to put it under a mattress, and so now I, I think with the winnings I, I have to buy a second mattress. Now we notice before every game you seem to be kind of getting into your zone. What is it that you're doing there? Uh, just trying to stay loose because during the game I'm so intense and I'm tight and I'm, I recognize that. So I'm just trying to like be in the moment and not like psych myself out. I just want to like stay loose and limber and, and 
keep the blood flowing. Whatever you're doing, it seems to be working. Now, oftentimes, it seems that you go toward the left-hand side of the board, maybe about four clues down. Is there any pattern you kind of have a favorite clue to seek out? Uh, that's one of them. It depends on the categories. It depends on what's left on the board. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, obviously trying to find the daily doubles, and I've been doing a pretty good job so far. I've already asked you what the highlight of this experience has been, but now you've had so many more wins since our last talk. Are there any new highlights? It truly is just being here and also the money, which is so, I mean, it's twice the highlight now um, <laughs> than meeting all of the incredible contestants. It's a truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, we're enjoying watching you have this once-in-a-lifetime experience. Enjoy your time off, and we'll see you on the flip side of the Tournament of Champions. Thank you so much. Excited to see when Chris gets back, if he's going to change his gameplay at all, stick with it, if he's, you know, he's got some experience under his belt. I know that after my experience on the show, I tweaked a few things. I know Ken has said that he did as well. So interesting to see in a few weeks. We don't know when because we're not sure how long that TOC is going to be, what Chris's gameplay looks like. Yes, and interestingly enough, last fall it was Amy Schneider who was in the middle of her big run we took a break for the professor's tournament. So it ended up boding well for her when she came back. We'll see how it plays out for Chris. But now it's time to get into our other exciting Jeopardy competition going on, and that is Celebrity Jeopardy. Well, this was a very fun game. I think... This was the semifinals. This is the so semifinals. This was, people were upping their game. I noticed that Simu decided to wear a blazer this time. Yeah, he was cold. He, he was, was cold. cold in that initial game, so he decided to dress accurately for the studio, <laughs> going up against Ike Barinholtz and Eliza Schlesinger. You know, coming into this as a viewer, you got to pick Ike as the favorite in this game. As much as he was joking around with his fellow competitors, he certainly had the eye of the tiger. He had something to prove. Well, and I've said this last week that, you know, oftentimes the Celebrity Jeopardy contestants who are big fans of the regular show, who tune in day in and day out and really get to know how the show works, they do have a slight advantage. And Ike was not secretive about saying, like, I'm a huge yeah. fan of this show and I have been for so many years. I sort of met Ike at the Celebrity sort of. Millionaire. Oh, OK. You know, like I sort of met him. Sort of met I, him. I like was introduced yeah. to him. Um, say that means you met him. I met him. I met okay. Ike. He wouldn't remember backstage at Celebrity he's Millionaire. He's a big fan of Jeopardy. I bet he's a Buzzy fan. TBD. But I found out then what a trivia head he really is. He's he's in Learned League. He is a really serious player. I think he would probably go to a bar trivia if he wasn't such a massive star. Exactly. But I think that he he it's a different. There's there's kind of there's kind of two categories of people in this celebrity. There's the Ikes and the Andy Richters. And then there are people like Eliza and Simu who know way more than they think they know, but aren't necessarily diehard trivia players. Well, his competitors, they all did well in the Jeopardy round. Only one incorrect well. response. And even on syndicated Jeopardy, like it's hard to have a round where you have so few incorrect responses. So they yeah. were all off to a good start. They all played very, very well. And I think that where Ike stepped ahead was in that more trivial like the deeper knowledge stuff the fact that they played so evenly and that his score was 
so far ahead, not that it was crazy far, but, you know, almost a runaway, indicates that he's getting those harder clues. One of my favorite moments in Double Jeopardy was when Simu got the what is Ross dress for less clue? And he's like, I used to buy all my audition clothes at Ross. (laughs) Great shout out for him or for Ross, I guess. And I just thought it was so he had so many moments that he just shared, I think, a sense of vulnerability about his path and his career. And I just really enjoyed it watching he's, him. He's, I've, he's really, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of him, but I really fell in love with Simu Lu on Celebrity Jeopardy. That's a t-shirt. We're going to make that. I fell in love with Simu Lu on Celebrity Jeopardy. I loved the Johnny Gilbert Speaks Movie Lines category. I always oh, love when we get a Johnny. Yes. Johnny, Gilbert, and Triple Jeopardy. I mean, that's just a perfect combination. I have to say, recording these with him was so much fun because, like, the Pulp Fiction clue in particular he just wasn't getting like the level of intensity. Right. So we really pulled it up on YouTube and played it for him. Like, no, it's got to be big. It's got to be angry. Yes. You got to like bring it. So that was hilarious. And I just love any chance that I get to spend with Johnny. And I think yeah. our contestants, you know, not only our contestants, but our fans at home, they just love a Johnny oh my God. category. What's not to love? What's not to love? I did also love Eliza saying, playing the role of the white girl picking Coachella correct response <laughs> burning man yes she got Coachella or Coachella there were a lot of different pronunciations of it in that game but Ike advances to the finals and we caught up with him right after his win to see how he felt about the victory Ike you're a finalist you did it I can't believe it cannot believe I'm standing here with you twice and it's just so exciting and uh can we play another game right now can we just keep it going can we just do the finals right right here right now you see there's got to be some celebs walking around the lot let's just grab them yeah we're on the Sony lot what did you think coming into the semis very nervous a lot of pressure I had watched some of Eliza's game earlier and I was blown away by some of the facts she was pulling out and the way Sumi won was incredible. So I was very nervous going into it, and I was not getting the buzzer as much as I wanted, but uh, at the very end, it just broke my way. Well, it kind of broke your way throughout the game. Let's be honest. You had a strong lead, came out solid, and you kind of maintained it. They gave you a little run for the money, but... A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I, I was lucky with some categories. I got a little bit of Cliff Clavin action in some of those categories, just things I was like, oh, Johnny Gilbert saying a movie title? That was my favorite category. I that was my, hands down my favorite category I've seen in a long time here. I can hear Johnny read the alphabet or tell me movie lines. I want him to just narrate my life. Like, he's eating a third bagel this morning. (laughs) Like, that would be very fun. No one does it better. You're going to have a little time off now to prepare for the finals. Will you do anything differently to get yourself ready? Uh, No, I'm just going to kind of keep watching and playing at home and just clicking my pen and getting that thumb in good shape. How does this success match up with so many others you've had? This might be my favorite thing because everything else I've done is a, it's working with lots of other people. This is just me. I've been watching this since I was seven and to get to be up here and get to uh, shake hands with Mayim afterwards as the winner is, I'll never forget it. Well, just you, Ike, are only one game away from a million dollars for your charity. Enjoy this moment and we'll see you in the finals. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. A well-won win and excited to see Ike in the finals. And we're about to find out who, over the next few weeks, who's going to join him. Yes. On Sunday, October 23rd, we will begin our next round of those quarterfinal games with nine new celebrities all competing for a spot in the second semifinal game. Okay, Buzzy, it is time. Let's continue our journey on the road to the TOC. Ba, 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 ba. Da, 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 da. We are now going to catch up with four more Tournament of Champions players. First up, my conversation with four-game winner and fierce competitor Jackie Kelly. 
Jackie Kelly, welcome back. Tournament of Champions, there were probably a few months there where you were wondering if you would be competing. Yeah, um, a few extremely stressful months, um, and it was just one of the happiest moments of my life when I found out that I was officially in the tournament. A lot of people were disappointed when they saw your name kind of go below the what they thought was the qualifying mm -hmm. cutoff. What kind of support did you hear when people said, you made it, this new format, you made it? It, it felt so good to see those comments, um, to see that people actually wanted me in the tournament. Um, I, you know, I really want to do well to kind of show people that they were right to want me in this tournament. What do you think of this format? No wild cards, first to win three. Obviously you like it because you're in it with this new format, but what do you think about the, the structure? It's a little terrifying not having the safety net of the wild cards in the, in the quarterfinals, um, but I, I love how the finals is uh, first to win three games. I think that will result in, you know, the best finalist winning. Um, it's kind of hard to win by a fluke, you know, when you have to win three games. So I, I like that part of it. Now, I know it was on your mom's bucket list for you to make it on Jeopardy. What does it mean to her that you're in the Tournament of Champions? Oh my gosh, she is so unbelievably excited about this. Um, she has just been, you know, texting nonstop. <laughs> my mom and sisters and I are on a group text and um, it's just been, you know, all Jeopardy for the last few weeks. Michael Davies, our executive producer, he really thought that you're background in track contributed to your ability to be so good at the game. Do you see any correlation with that? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, track is a sport where you really have to put the work in. You can't really get by with talent alone. Um, so I'm, I'm used to, you know, working hard and training for a, a specific goal. I hope that that comes in handy in this tournament. So have you been training? Yes. <laughs> you know, when I left the studio um, after my first games, I knew there was a chance I would be back. So I, I've been kind of trying to stay sharp ever since. Well, we are so happy to have you back. Congratulations on making the tournament. And thank you so I much. I wish you a great competition. Thank you. So happy to be here. Next up, Andrew He, our five game champion, whose run came to a sudden end when he found himself matched up against a certain champion, Amy Schneider. Andrew He, welcome back to the Alex Trebek stage. You made it. The Tournament of Champions, it's finally here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. Hard to imagine, back when you played, none of us could have expected all that would happen after your mere five-day run. It was an unbelievable ride, and um, I am so happy to be back. I'm sure a lot of people want to walk back to that game with you, that game against Amy Schneider, where it could have gone either way. Yeah. I'm guessing that final Jeopardy never leaves your mind. Absolutely not. I was at a wedding very recently <laughs> and uh, people actually asked, what'd you go out on, you know? Yeah. Like, what ended it? And I was like, I could, I, I should probably just say, oh, I don't remember, you know? But I will say in the Jeopardy community, you've probably heard this yourself, dark horse. Is that a good thing to be called or a bad thing in um, this competition? Whew. It's very flattering. I think it's a little premature to, you know, there's... There's so many great players. I really think that the margin between any two players is so small. There are so many cases for everybody to be a dark horse. What do you think about the new format? No wild cards. Yeah. You have to play to win. It's a little bit of a twist. I certainly wasn't expecting it. You know, I was after uh, taping my shows, I thought, man, I'm going to have to like start reviewing wild card wagering strategies. Well, you had, I think, the biggest daily double wager of the whole season against Dane. So we know you're not afraid of a big daily double. No, no, no. When you find one of those, it's like the best thing that could happen to you, I think. I'm going to put it all out there. All right. What's the best thing about being back, would you say? I think it's just being in the company of all these, you know, you extended the field this time. Yes, so, we did. So, you know, 
I think on a normal day when you're taping Jeopardy, it's a, a dozen people, but now it's almost double that. Obviously, that doubles the energy. I came in here and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm tired. And then as soon as you see everyone's faces, you just get like this incredible energy. Well, I'm excited to see if you are that dark horse, Andrew, who can't wait to see you sure, compete sure, again. Sure. Welcome back to the TOC. Thank you so much, Sarah. And now my conversation with seven-game winner Courtney Shaw, who came along and broke a very long streak we were having in Season 37 without a single four-plus game champion. Courtney Shaw, welcome back. One of our Season 37 champions. Woo! (laughs) I remember when your streak happened, we kind of were in a lull. We really hadn't had anyone going on any sort of run for a long time. Along you came, and it was like a breath of fresh air to know that we had those great champions back. I broke the curse. Yeah. What was it like coming in? Obviously, during the guest host period, you had Sanjay Gupta. What, mm-hmm. what was that like? You know, it was great. I uh, I didn't know what to expect, obviously. And with the, the run of hosts, it was, you know, I didn't know who my host was going to be. I didn't know how long the days were going to be. Um, but he was wonderful. He was so professional and just smooth and just so easy to work with. Uh, so that was a really good experience. And and I mean, the best part of this whole thing is is all the people and everybody is so professional and handled COVID so well. Um, so it's really just been marvelous to watch everything get put together. So there you are. We end season 37. You know, you've seen a few others, Brian and Zach and Matt Amodio, obviously. <laughs> but no one could have prepared for what would come along in season 38. Definitely not. <laughs> you were practically at the top of the leaderboard heading into season 38 with the exception of Matt. And here came all of these super champs. I will say it was it was so great for a long time. It was it was <laughs> me and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And then Amy came around, and then we had this just flow of other women champions coming in, and it was just so lovely to know that we were going to get such a great group of people, and uh, a little intimidating to have people with. 38 or 40 games. You know, I thought I was sitting pretty good with seven games. I'm seven like, in any other season is is like top of the top of the top. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about myself yes, for a while. <laughs> as you should. Having had a lot more time than a lot of our champions to prepare, mm-hmm. what do you do with that much time? Well, you panic. Okay. Uh, and then you think to yourself, oh, I've got plenty of time. And then you panic some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go back and forth between those. And so I've, I've definitely spent some times that are rotating through the anxiety of everything's going to be fine. I'm going to take it easy to, I need to study. Uh, And the good thing is that my job sort of is study oriented as a professor. You know, I teach, so I'm always learning more history and uh, going to hear talks from colleagues and friends and things like that. So going out and learning new stuff Um, and then, you know, playing pub trivia, playing online games with my friends, building the community, which has been fantastic. So, you know, a lot of the people, when I got here yesterday, into town yesterday, I felt like I knew these people already. And that was great. You know, it's like, oh, I've, I've talked with you online, or I've talked with you on Twitter. And I, oh, I played a game with you, or oh, I man- matched up with you in, in this league or this group and stuff. So it, it's been really nice to sort of put the names to the faces and, and get to know them as people in person. You're not alone. So many people have talked about that. And just what a great group this is. And a great group among this wonderful Jeopardy community. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you're a starring member of it. So happy to, (laughs) to welcome you in and have you back for the TOC. Well, thank you. And lastly, my interview with six game winner Zach Newkirk, who, as we mentioned last week, defeated seven game winner Brian Chang under some pretty unique circumstances. 
Zach Newkirk, you and I go way back, way back to the very beginning. That's right. You were at my audition in Savannah, Georgia, and you shook my hand and said, I'll see you in LA. That's when I knew. That's when you knew. What you couldn't have known is that we were going to have a pandemic and that you were going to come and play Jeopardy and end our season as a four-day champion. March 11th, 2020. I'll never forget that. (laughs) That day was a wild one. That was a wild one. You know, none of us knew how the next few weeks would unfold, but luck would have it. We weren't able to have anyone travel for several months. So what were you thinking in that time? Obviously, the show came back on. You're seeing new episodes. You're seeing new champions. What was going through your mind about when you would return? I was just really thankful that I had the opportunity to go back because being on that Jeopardy stage, it's such a cool and unique feeling where you're up there with the lights and the questions and you're buzzing in answers and getting them right, hopefully more often than not. I was just thankful that I got to look forward to that. So that moment when we say, okay, it's safe to bring contestants from out of town. You're going to come back. We book that months in advance. Then you show up and you find out you're going against a seven-day champion. What was that moment like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brian, um, he was a four-day champ when I first arrived at the studio. And then I kept watching him win (laughs) game after game. And I was just sitting there being like, I could come back in another nine months. Yeah, you know, it's been nine months. Why don't we put it (laughs) off a little longer? Let him do his thing. And so we eventually played each other. And he was such a great sport. Now we're, I think we're pretty good friends. I I, I would characterize that that way. So what was that game like against Brian? We know it came down to the very end. Talk us through it. Well, I'm a little super superstitious and I had won my first game on the third podium and then I won other games at the champions podium and so I was assigned the middle podium so that's in my head I was like oh no this isn't going to go very well but then I got lucky with a couple daily doubles that I knew and and took a a lead and the rest is is history. You're the only person in this competition who has played with Alex Trebek and Ken Jennings. What is it like to have played with Alex? Playing with Alex that day was an incredible experience. I remember when he first came out to the stage being like oh my gosh it's it's actually him he's right there I could I could run out and touch him if I wanted (laughs) to I didn't Uh, and then the first time I buzzed in he said Zach. And I was like, oh my gosh, he knows my name, even though it was written in capital letters (laughs) right there. I was like, ah, he knows my name. Um, So that was really fun. Just a day I'll I'll absolutely never, ever forget. And I'm just so thankful that I was able to come that day and, and play with Alex for sure. Well, we are so excited to welcome you back to the Tournament of Champions four years later, Zach. Who could have known in Savannah where your journey would take you and can't wait to see what happens in the tournament. Thanks so much, Sarah. All right, Sarah, thank you for those interviews. Great insight into our champion's headspace heading into this tournament of champions. But now it's time to answer some view- factors. Ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. 
I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Your questions. First up, Doug asks, what were the metrics for deciding who comes back for this year's second chance competition? Was it social media response, Jeopardy staff looking back at old games, or just availability of contestants? What will be the metrics for next year's second chance competition? Well, there was a lot of data that was looked over. We dove deep through all sorts of stats throughout the season. Of course, we had been monitoring throughout the year different people that, you know, on social media had gotten recognition for a great game that they, you know, could have won if not for one or two things going just slightly differently. So a lot went into it. And I would have to say it wasn't availability of contestants. You know, there wasn't anyone that we reached out to that didn't say, yes, I will be back. And in terms of the metrics for next year, you know, I think it'll be more of the same. I think, as you will see in the next two weeks of competition, that we did choose 18 incredible contestants, and they are going to provide for some pretty awesome gameplay. We haven't decided for sure if Second Chance will be back, but if I have a vote, it will certainly be that it does return, and I think it should be a part of our calendar from here on out. The Jeopardy postseason, as certain executive producers like to refer to it. Jeopardy uh, is a sport. Steven asks, if the host of Jeopardy announces there is less than a minute to go in the round, no matter if it is Jeopardy or Double Jeopardy, or both, and the time runs out, and there are still clues left on the board... No matter how many clues are left, are they reused again on another show or are they thrown out? Also, how much time is up on the clock when a round starts? Well, first off, if there are clues that are not played, they often get recycled, shall we say, and put into other categories, unless it's such a specific category that it really doesn't warrant bringing that clue back. In terms of the timing, it's it's not like a precise measure uh, in the Jeopardy round between the interviews, we, we have J1 and J2. That totals out to about 10 to 10 and a half minutes. And then in the double Jeopardy round, the average is between seven and a half and eight minutes. So we always give the less than a minute any time that we think we would be in danger of not being able to edit the show to time. But our goal, as we know, is everyone who's listening, your goal is that all the clues can be played as often as possible in every game so that we don't leave any clues. No clues left on the board. <laughs> no clues left behind. Well, thank you, Doug and Stephen, for the questions. Listeners, please keep them coming to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. Believe it or not, Sarah, that is it for today's episode of Inside Jeopardy. We'll be back next week to discuss the week one games in the second chance competition brought to you by Moderna. And we will have senior researcher and gameplay analyst Michael Harris, the enabler as we refer to him. He'll be joining us to break down each game and you'll hear more of my conversations with our TOC contestants so you don't want to miss it. As always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And we will see you next week.